0: Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877.
1: Art Zany Radio for the Imagination, with your host Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany Radio for the Imagination.
2: Good morning, and welcome to Art Zaney, Radio for the Imagination. Thank you so much for tuning into the show that celebrates creating and stories. Happy September, I as you probably know, love this month I think it 's probably the best month of the year. I hope that your fall has been off to a good start, and that you 're ready to get together and tune our imaginations. I think i 'm just going to pop on some music, and uh, to, today we 're going to talk about the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra. And this is a piece, uh, Paul Nemisto is my guest. I think I'll turn on the mic. Paul, a lot of our listeners already know you. You are the founder and conductor of the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra. And you sent me this piece, uh, Aida, the Grand March, by uh, Verdi. And I thought it was a nice way to maybe uh, just, it it felt um, formal and royal, (laughs)
3: All of those things
2: yes and
3: and very noisy
2: yes so um
3: it's uh it's an ostentatious, extroverted piece it's the end, end of an act um of the opera Aida by Giuseppe Verdi. The original performance was done outdoors in Alexandria, Egypt, in an old uh, Col- Colosseum and it was um it's a story about a egyptian uh queen who's who's Aida by the way. Uh And uh, and for this scene, it's got, uh, it's all condensed into an orchestra score, but it has offstage uh, brass bands. There are elephants going across the stage.
2: So we have to imagine that, yes. And uh, a
3: host of people dressed in Egyptian royal costumes and... Huge chorus, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's, it's, extremely over the top.
2: It's a grand piece, and it was. This says it premiered on uh, December twenty fourth of eighteen seventy one. So I was thinking about that in terms of, I think that was close to the time that Winston Churchill was born, and as we're looking at the fact that uh, Queen Elizabeth the second passed away yesterday, that um, you know he, she came on board when he was. Uh, prime minister and you know spanning those years 100 years with the birth of the current prime minister it just felt like this was the piece and, we should play and,
3: and i know that queen victoria attended this opera and that she liked it
2: oh that's a good insight let's let's take a listen and enter our imaginations in the world of music as we celebrate the cannonball regional orchestra on art zany radio folks that is Verdi and the Grand March and what a uh, just glorious piece that just sends your imagination off into all kinds of places and I I imagine in 1871 that must have been quite an event to have that premiere.
3: Any of you that were listening to that or uh, drowsing over your second cup of coffee, that woke you right up, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> it did. <laughs> and we selected that, of course, because this is going to be one of the pieces that the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra is playing for the upcoming concert, The Last Rose of Summer, which is such a great title.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, we. It's, I was just thinking of some way to... Uh, some way to um, Commemorate the time of the year and what we were trying to do, and it seemed like it, 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 the old poem came out of my. It's a British poem, and uh, it was it was um, made into a song by Von Flotto, a German composer, and uh, and uh, Jenny Lind was uh, did it in her solo tours all over Europe and the United States back in the eighties, and uh, and there, she actually she she published a version of it that that she used with piano. And I don't so, know it was
2: Jenny Lind, uh, an opera singer.
3: She was a Swedish opera singer who was some kind of a superstar, sort of like a Rinaldo, Rinaldo, Rinaldo Tabaldi or a, something like that. Very, very, very famous. And uh, has legends about her uh, performing to, for kings and queens and everybody. Anyway, um, so we chose to use it as, as the, as the uh, theme, and then we found the music as well. And it's quite a nice melody and... Uh, Uh, Our um, soloist of note for the season is uh, Birch Carlson, soprano here in Northfield, a star of uh, Arts Guild Theater Productions, and she's coming up, joining us for this. uh, So it's just a nice sweet gesture that we're... Providing for the for the event, yeah, um
2: We'll get to that music in a little bit too. I want to tell people that the concert is happening on Thursday, the fifteenth of September at seven p.m. This is another one of those
3: outdoor concerts. Yes, it's this a, is. It's go ahead. Well, I was just <laughs> going to say that we started doing these a, a year ago. We were trying to think of something to kick off the end of the COVID crisis and the fact that we were back on again we were performing again so about a year ago we did one of these concerts outdoors and uh, it was enormously successful people just loved doing it and so we decided to do it again in the spring or i should say in june Mm -hmm. before the big season starts and uh, and so now i think we have a a tradition of uh, a june outdoor concert to begin the season and a fall outdoor concert to end the summer um, and of course, this is an old tradition. This goes back, if you think about it, to, uh, I guess, to Vienna, really, when uh, this, when uh, Johann Strauss was writing waltzes and, and dance music, and he would do it in the in the in the gardens outside the Hofburg uh, Palace, and uh, so outdoor concerts started of lighter music started that way, and then, of course, in the United States, the Boston Pops was the was the pioneer of this kind of thing. It was the the Boston Symphony in its summer form. And they would play outdoor concerts in a a collection of, as we are, light classics or well-known classics and some popular music. And that's continued on. And most orchestras do it now. There's a Ravinia in Chicago. And Mm -hmm. there's many other examples of this, Hollywood Bowl and so forth. So we're just following a tradition. And it's easy for us because we don't do very heavy stuff, and it can be rehearsed quickly. And uh, everybody, the orchestra loves it too because they get a little variety. Then we can do the darker stuff when the when when the (laughs) snow
2: comes. (laughs) Maybe it's I don't know. Should it be the opposite?
3: Yeah, you'd think, wouldn't you? You would, but
2: I've been to both of those concerts, and I I specifically remember the first one that you did. What a great feeling it was to get back together, to be in an audience with other people, live music, and the setting at Odd Fellows Park is delightful. If folks don't know, that's off of Forest Avenue, so the official address is 1011 Forest Avenue. That's in Northfield, and it's. uh, an easy park to find. Uh, lots of places around the pavilion to grab a lawn chair and or blanket and and sit back and and take in the summer evening.
3: Exactly. You may want to if if you're within walking distance. I would leave the car in the garage. <laughs> it could be a little tough finding a spot.
2: Yeah, but there's it's also just um, a great way to to. You know be together and it is at 7 p.m. so p- folks may want to be prepared it might get a little cool is because it'll be right during the yeah, sunset
3: right during sunset and uh, uh, right now the forecast is predicted for very pleasant weather makes,
2: we got our fingers crossed i didn't look ahead i was yeah. actually thinking that did you do you have a backup plan should we even no. put it out there we won't. I don't
3: i don't i don't have any backup plan but uh I tell you, I think what we might do is, if it looks like it's inevitable that it's going to rain, um, we'll come up with something.
2: Okay, so (laughs) go to the website, which I should mention, Uh, you can find all the information about the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra at northfieldartsguild.org, look under Arts, Music, and then CVRO.
3: The concert is free attendance, although we appreciate the chance to accept donations, because... uh, there are expenses connected with putting on a community orchestra, and uh, we need the help of the community to support us.
2: And I always look at it as, if I were to go to a concert, what would I be willing to pay for the ticket? And that's what I'll, I'll go ahead and chip in. That as. sounds
3: great. You mean like 15 bucks?
2: I've, even more. Okay, all right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys are that great. <laughs> okay. it's, it's, it's good, and it's important to keep supporting this so that it keeps happening. That's my hope. Right. Exactly. And for folks that don't know, the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra was founded in 1979. It is a diverse group of volunteer musicians that perform symphonic music. And I I love the fact that they're drawn together in your statement by rehearsing and performing this fine repertoire. And anyone with talent, experience, and motivation is welcome from 12-year-olds who are exceptionally talented to octogenarians. And there's an audition process. They can get in contact with you if they're interested in being a part of the orchestra.
3: I check out their smile.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, you have to play, don't? Don't you have to? No, <laughs> no. we
3: we, uh, we go by word of mouth, and uh, people can talk to me about what they've done. And because a lot of the players in the group are developing, in other words, they may have played in high school and college, and then lapsed, mm-hmm. and they're not even from Northfield until recently. They've come into town. And they said, "Oh, I can play here." So they take out the instrument again, and they start to start to get it working. And then they then we talk. And coming to the rehearsals is a kind of therapy to get their confidence back.
2: Mm-hmm. I would imagine for you as as the conductor, that's part of what you do. That's part of what I do. And how do you, tell me how you do that when uh, you have people that are you know coming back to their instruments, maybe getting well, their. Ambbouchuures in their, oh,
3: uh, their or their bow hands yes <laughs> um, yeah, well, the thing is um, if they un- if they understand that um, that and I explained to them they don't have to play every single note that's on the page in order to be able to uh, to give us some some support in our sound, they can leave out some stuff.
2: I've never At had first. a conductor tell me that. That's really fascinating. Yeah, I, mean,
3: uh, I mean, you play what you can. Yeah. And by playing what you can, you will be able to play more as the, as the weeks go by and as you practice and you start to understand what it's all about. So if you come in, uh, I mean, we don't want to have an orchestra of uh, of uh, invalid uh, players, but uh, a couple who are growing, it's great.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? I think that's a wonderful thing, and it's great to see those uh, variety of ages and of, of experiences within the orchestra. And you have uh, quite a crowd to draw from because they come from all over the region, and not every concert has the same players. Not
3: always, no. I'll, I mean, I, I like it when I, I have a kind of a, an unwritten A team, you know, the people <laughs> that I can trust but some of them have, you know, especially now we have grandparents who have to go to graduations and all kinds of things like that going on. So people come in and out. And uh, we do have a pool. So we have a X number of flutes that are are available. And uh, we try to plan ahead so we know when they're going to be involved in what concert or X number of violins or whatever. So yes, there's a there's a larger there's a list of people larger than what we need to have on stage.
2: That's a fabulous place to be. And are there any particular instruments while we're out there putting it out into the world that you're saying gosh, I wish I had a more some player. What what well, the thing
3: the, the most the most uh vulnerable and the most uh delicate of the instruments in terms of nurturing are the violins. Mm. Because um it's such a demanding instrument and those that had some experience earlier may have been turned off by the by how much pressure was put on them to, to get the notes right and all of those kind of things and they kinda put it aside. And so yeah, and the but you know, the the idea is to try to get them to enjoy the instrument again and to know that they can contribute. Mm-hmm. So string players, uh I guess I'm we have a surplus of cellos right now for some reason in our, on our list, but that could change in a year.
2: Right, so you if know. anyone is interested, they certainly should they reach
3: should out. should get a hold of us, and I think probably the best way to do that would just be to go northfieldartsgill.org, go to the website, and you'll get channeled to where you can make the contact.
2: That's perfect. I think it's such a great thing to have that ability to reconnect with that instrument that you once loved, and be able to you know uh, find some pleasure again in I the experience. I have
3: examples of older adults uh, near retirement age who have decided that they want to take up an instrument,
2: or to begin for a brand new one for the first time. Hmm.
3: And there are examples in this community of that happening. One of the things is there's a there's a real desire on the part of these people who do this. And there's also time. They're retired, uh, they can they can devote a lot of time, and they, they're willing to learn. They can take some lessons and get things going. Um, if you have a hole in your soul that should be filled with music, uh, there are possibilities for you.
2: And you can also come and be an audience member, which is also a way to sort of fill that. I think. You oh, know, that's
3: true too. Being yes, able uh, we, to. We, we need ears to listen.
2: <laughs> it's a, it's a great thing, and I, you know I'm going to ask you because last last we chatted, although I think maybe yeah, you, maybe you didn't come to the studio for the. Um, vintage Band Festival, but I'm thinking, wow, Paul, you just got done with this giant festival that happened end of July, beginning of August.
3: Oh, we had some, we had some. Uh- guests from outside of the state that came here to say hello yes we that did. was really cool and
2: we had a couple of folks come in before the week we did two yeah. shows because it was such right. a big yeah. festival and uh, tell me some just just to check in with you uh, a post vintage band festival some uh, of the highlights uh,
3: there were so many pluses on this 2022 festival the first one was that the that the weather cooperated completely it was like eden
2: no 100 degree days
3: not, <laughs> and not even not, no sign of any disturbance in the sky perfect and um, the uh, the uh, the um bands who had been deprived of this for several years now because of the pandemic were extremely happy to be here they come they come um primarily to play of course but mm-hmm. they also come to uh, have a uh, social interaction with the other bands to commune with them their friends uh, sh- they talk talk, chop you know talk repertoire and instruments and all that kind of thing so that's going on constantly during the festival and they're enormously satisfied by that element of it that they, are, that they have the possibility some festivals don't give them a chance to do that
2: mm. yeah because so, there's a component of it where it's a professional workshop that oh could...
3: there's, also a, there's also a conference going on yes. well, with the historic brass conference and And that's only because a lot of the groups that come have scholars in them. And so it makes a lot of sense for us to stage the conference as well. And the schedule works out great. We do all the papers and representations in the morning. And the performances start in the afternoon. So it works out great.
2: It was a great festival. And so thank you Mm -hmm. again for bringing that to northfield that'll be once every three years
3: more or less or or so (laughs) yeah i don't want to i don't know if i want to be quoted on radio with this but um 2026 will be our 20th anniversary
2: oh yes it will
3: and so it might be that we that the board will decide to use that as a as a goal to try to do a grand 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 festival on the 20th anniversary
2: 2026 he said yeah so it's wow.
3: a little further up doesn't mean that we won't do the the one day deals in between mm-hmm. but that's 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 in my head, mm-hmm. but only in my head, and now in your, not in your ears.
2: Twenty years, wow! Well, it's it's fantastic, and, and the CVRO is another part of your musical gift to our community. I, I think, and uh, they have been doing all kinds of great music. This is a we talked a little bit about the programming of that show and uh you you said what I, I think is also um wonderful is that idea of doing some music that's a, you know something that that folks recognize that um is a little more fun festive you, you know you, lighter and uh so uh, tell us about putting this program together when you when you as a conductor are looking to put together a program are you thinking about um the music that the the musicians are capable of doing or something you want to challenge them with or what instruments can you feature? How are you doing that?
3: It depends on the concert. And for one of these, we're trying to definitely go for um, audience appeal. Mm. But then also there's a certain element of satisfaction for the orchestra to be able to go back and play some old uh, standards. Um, We have a problem in the... In the community orchestra world right now, um, it's it's kind of at loggerheads with the publishing industry, because about ten years ago, a new a new regulation or a new uh, formula was created in which um, all of the a lot of the pieces that were available for sale or for rental uh, at a nominal fee, the pieces that were uh, out of copyright, shall mm-hmm. we say, um, were Re examined and reclassified, and they you now have a lot of pieces that weren't available in print back in say about 2000 that you could only get by rental, so you have larger larger expenses involved. Uh, I'm going to use an example. I, I did the um, Ferdi Graffet Grand Canyon suite, well, I don't know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It was, uh, it's the one that's got uh. Uh, some very famous uh, tunes and a little bit of Wagnerian quotation going on. I probably rented it for a couple hundred bucks. So okay, all right, I can do a, I can do two or three of those in a concert. that keeps under our budget. Now, um, for for two performances of Graffé's Grand Canyon Suite, it's like a couple grand, two thousand bucks.
2: What did they change then? Why? Well, what
3: happened is that some of the money is going back to the like the, the family foundation. And this is just a way for them to, I don't know, make more money. I guess for the, and for the industry too. So uh, it uh, and it's. I mean, a big orchestra can sustain something like that, the budget for that. But it just puts us out of the out of the running for that kind of material.
2: That is fascinating because that then means that music will probably be played less. It'll probably you know lose some of its you know well,
3: presence in the community. Yes. Yeah.
2: And uh, that is uh, makes it less accessible because only the people who can afford it, which probably is going to illuminate a lot of you know groups from being able to put that on on in in a band concert or that 's really intriguing. No, it's also
3: affecting the band the band industry too, mm-hmm. the band mm-hmm. world so we have a problem here, and uh, that 's why a lot of us are kind of poking around looking for uh, Libraries that are on some shelves somewhere where we can borrow stuff. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: so that makes your search for available music more
0: uh, much
3: more challenging. Yes, I mean we have a we have a collection uh, of stuff. We have a couple hundred titles that we own that we bought over the years since 1979. Um, and an ex- and what I'm doing with these uh, these outdoor concerts, like the one we're doing in September, is trying to keep the budget low. Because we don't have a, a known source of known large source of revenue for the concert, so we're trying to use available resources so now i'm what, is this is the third one we're doing, I think so mm-hmm. um so third concert say ten twelve pieces each, I've started to dig pretty deep into our <laughs> repertoire listed. I'm starting to think, uh, you know, when do we start repeating or, or what's, what's going on? How do I get some fresh stuff in here? So this is a challenge for me this winter. I'm going to be looking around for sources.
2: Right. Well, that's part, an aspect that a lot of people don't think about. and it's... Oh, no,
3: it's, it's not. The audience just takes what they're given. I mean, and, well, accept it or not. But, um, you know, we have these other issues that we have to deal with
2: it is is fascinating. That's what I love illuminating on Artsanie Radio. And folks, if you're tuning in, this is Artsanie Radio. I'm Paula Grandquist. I'm here with Paul Nemisto. We're talking about the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra. The last rose of summer concert is coming. And I think we should play some music. That's sure. What, or I think we should go. Uh let's see, let's let's pick out the this this'll be a fun one to talk about. This is uh memory which folks may know from the fabulous Broadway musical, Cats. But it's an interesting version. I don't know if you want to say something before or should
3: we? Well, I I was wondering what to do because there was actually no sound recording of the of the version that we're doing. Uh, but I, wa- I wanted also to to avoid the words because mm-hmm. I, I wanted to listen to the melodic material and the harmonies and stuff. So uh, this is the only thing I could find that looked like it. Might fill the bill, and it is an un, un, unusual version.
2: Yeah, we'll listen to to a bit of this. This is uh, Andre Rayu, I think. Oh yeah,
3: he's he's on he's on public broadcasting all the time. Oh okay, I'm not familiar with, with a, him. With a fancy flowing hair and a big you know, and a big uh, tie on it.
2: He seems to have a lot of fans. That's what I'm gathering. That's
3: <laughs> apparently so. I had the pleasure of uh, attending a performance of Cats back in. Uh, Nineteen eighty-one, I think it was. Uh, we were in London with, uh, with, with a Saint Olaf group, and we had some time and got to see. It. So it was, it was fresh at that time. It was a hot show at that time, just new, mm. and it was memorable. Uh, shall we say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and it's uh, become
2: a part of our culture.
3: Yeah, it's a funny show because there's no It's based, on, of course, on on those those
2: T. S. Eliot, T.S. Eliot, T.S. Eliot like poems. poems, and mm-hmm. so there's.
3: Not really a story to it. There's just uh, vignettes of personalities.
2: That's a good way to say yeah. it, yeah. yeah. So let's li- listen and see what your reaction is to uh, this. This is Memory from Andre Rio, and we'll take a listen on Arts Any Radio.
0: Hmm.
2: Again, was memory, which a lot of us will recognize. And it's interesting when music does that, when it comes into the culture in a way that you can't not hear the other thing. It's it's you have to really work hard to just hear the music. And it's a really beautiful piece.
3: It's a f- fantastic melody. It's a
2: yes. It's
3: bittersweet. It has some nice warmness to it, and just kind of an angst, kind of kind of a uh, there's a haunting to it a haunting at the underneath. same time yeah. yeah,
2: and so i think it 's I can see why it would make a great piece for a Broadway production, and um, they 've amped up I think some of the drama in their their versions of it
3: well' the, let's get the words in there, and you can do lots of stuff, and also there 's probably a a real solid, heavy rock drummer in the background on it too.
2: <laughs> but it, and you mentioned that your your version is just a little different, even than that one. Not it, that
3: not that much different than the one that we play. It's about the same. Yeah. But there's other instruments involved.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's it's a nice piece, and it feels like it's perfect for for that sort of. Yeah. Pondering.
3: Uh, watch this, watch mm-hmm. the birds go. Watch the geese go overhead. And watch <laughs> the sunset. Perfect. <laughs> exactly.
2: You don't have to just let it wash over you. Yes. And that. And I do find it fascinating when a piece becomes uh, so recognizable that you know you uh, instantly have a connection to it from something else. It, it, so it's it's just. Uh, I mean, music can do so much for us. And I think you know, seeing and hearing and experiencing live music is uh, such a, a great gift to yourself. It's it's a, such a a thing that that we don't do often enough, or we didn't do for the over the last couple of years, especially. Well, we didn't,
3: and it's and also just trending cultural trends are toward electronic reproduction mm. and listening to electronic reproduction and watching the tube and uh, listening to CDs or or whatever your version is. And, yeah. And not going to the pu- to the public performances. Um, Osmo being, you know, Osmolvenska did a great gift to the community because he was his, his p- material was so high class, so so finely crafted performances that he tr- attracted a new audience of people who just came to stand there and listen in awe to what he was p- pulling off. And I think he created a new community of. Classical music buffs in Minnesota. When he was here, and I hope it continues. It's it was a great, great gift to us.
2: Yeah, and he's has he since retired? Is that
3: he he left the, the He left the spring. Yeah, right this summer.
2: Yeah. I thought so. So that's yeah. going to be an interesting place for the orchestra, Minnesota Orchestra, to be and see where. Well, I would, don't I think.
3: think that they're in bad in any kind of a bad situation, but uh, it's. We'll see what happens.
2: Yes, changes, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that, so that's a lovely piece. And I would imagine, too, for the players that, that, that there's benefit to, you know, uh, practicing these pieces and, you know, being exposed to this well, music. The same,
3: and, it's the same nostalgia, mm. except they're on the other side of the instrument. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they've played it before. They've listened to it before. So they have some of the same emotions.
2: Yeah, and yeah. and that's a, a good experience for for folks. And we've got more music, that, not, and this is a fun concert because of so many different styles that 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 you come across. You mentioned Birch Carlson a little bit earlier, and. Uh, you know, if you've had the great uh, opportunity to hear her voice, uh, she's been in in the studio with us before. She is has such a, a talent and such a great gift, and her willingness to share that is is wonderful. So, uh, how has your experience been? You've been oh uh, no,
3: we we have we have a lot of fun, and uh, she we collaborate on how we're going to do the arrangement, what how we're going to sort out the verses and all that kind of thing for every every year. Um, this. Particular piece, if you're going to, play, if you're going to mm-hmm. be playing it, is uh, it's, a, it's actually a folk song that comes out of England uh, based on, I think it's, I have to get my, my facts right here. I think it's an Irish playwright. But mm. in any event, um, not playwright, a poet. And uh, so I'm going to uh, leave it there because I don't remember the details. <laughs> uh, but, but what happened was Von Flotto picked it up and put it into his opera, Martha, so, um, and I'm sure that the original rendition that they did in Germany would have been in German, but this is the version that's uh, in English, and I initially found it as a reproduction of a publication from the 1880s that was published for Jenny Lind, the famous Swedish soprano.
2: The one you mentioned. The yeah. one I
3: mentioned, yeah. And uh, and so this this is the basis of the, of what our performance is, and then including. Then Von Flutter's uh, orchestral stuff, too.
2: And this version is Renee Fleming yeah. from her collection, The Beautiful Voice, which she does have a beautiful voice. <laughs> I mean, there is no one like Renee Fleming. and so She's, she's herself, yes. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a glorious piece, and I, I'm curious to see what uh, Birch will do.
3: Oh she 's going to do fine oh she, i know i'm I yeah. don't doubt that no, no. it's
2: it's but it's um she, yeah
3: she's already adding embellishments to it, putting <laughs> her own decorations on it <laughs>
2: perfect, so let's take a listen, just get a preview of the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra concert, the last Rose of summer, just one night next Thursday, the fifteenth of September, at seven p m at oddfellows Park. This is one of the pieces you'll hear will be with birch Carlson. This version is um the from Martha, you said the opera and uh, The Last Rose of Summer. This yeah, we,
3: we asked her, but she wasn't available.
2: <laughs> Wouldn't that be it? <laughs> that would be quite the thing. Let's take a listen. Renée Fleming with The Last Rose of Summer. We got just a a taste of that there and uh just oh my goodness. she's just got such a voice that
3: Are you cheering up? a she? little bit.
2: <laughs> it's so beautiful. I mean, she has uh there's there's a quality I was thinking as we were listening that sometimes I can't listen to the words because I'm just listening to her sound, sound.
3: Right. and interpretation.
2: Oh, and I forgot to pop on your mic. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, good. No nobody. I heard.
3: Heard. And her interpretation too.
2: No, nobody got to hear you say that. I might have had a little oh, tear. Oh, tear?
3: yeah, she. <laughs> I just saw Paula tear up during the aria.
2: <laughs> because it is there's something just incredibly, you know, you know, you're listening to something that not everybody can can make that sound, and so it's it's phenomenal. And and you know, we only have a few samples of the things that are here. I guess we could talk about the things that um, didn't. Make it onto our playlist. They're well, also going to be a English. part of the concert because yeah. uh, there's a whole collection of just some fun. I, I know, I know. There's Gershwin, and um, people will recognize that. Uh, a little bit of um, what's the other one I saw in here that I recognize? Grieg.
3: Oh yeah, the the wedding day at Trollhagen.
2: Yeah, was, yeah.
3: <laughs> a piece of Norwegian uh, fluff. Yes.
2: Fluff. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a you know you've got uh just just quite a list here of of things that people will be able to hear for the concert.
3: Yes, it's a it's going to be a ear candy.
2: Yeah, it's meant to be enjoyed and uh you know you have all kinds of different pacings. How is that for the orchestra to you know move between so you've got this beautiful soft lovely you've got a march you've got
3: uh Oh, I think that they like the contrast. They do. And if you think about it that's symphonic music often has that Either built right into the to the movement, mm-hmm. or sometimes the movements themselves are all different different qualities of sound. Mm-hmm. So it's not that strange.
2: Oh, but it, it is quite a trip. And speaking of that, we're going to jump right into uh, La Bamba. Oh yeah, which folks may uh, recognize. It became I forgot to look that up. The
3: La Bamba de Veracruz. It's a. Uh, um, it was. It was. Was oh, it? Um, What's his name? There was uh, a singer who made it yeah, really Rob, famous. Uh, from California, <laughs> a Latino. Uh, I'm trying to think of his name now.
2: Uh, I can't either.
3: Not Rich, is it Richie Valens? Could be. I think so.
2: But it is something, again, yeah. it's one of those that transcended. It, it was first, you know, from. Now I think
3: this is Richie, this version. I think it is.
2: Let's see. I don't know. Yeah, it is. Um, this is the music of the state of Veracruz. right. And uh, it is certainly recognizable, but it became like a worldwide sensation.
3: Yeah, it, was, it became a rock tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And so maybe maybe while we're listening, we can take a, a listen and look, look that up. But uh, this is you know quite a, a different contrast from what we were just right. listening to. And so we'll just jump in and play a little bit of La Bamba from uh, the, let's see, who's playing this? This is Orchestra Roberto Delgado. Let's listen. There it was. Uh, all just. I, I love how music can take you places, and it's so easy to do when you hear something like
3: that. Yeah, that's uh, that is La Bamba, but it's not our version of La Bamba. <laughs> I I'll was noticing you, there yeah. might
2: have been some electric guitars. And well, some there might be other electronics instruments
3: around there, but this is a, a kind of a hyped-up version of a mariachi band. Mm-hmm. I mean, the basis of it is a, a bass, a guitar, a harp. And um, and so a fiddle, or two, mm. and then so they added a the trombone, and you could hear some um, some. I think it was a marimba and maybe a vibraphone in there. Too. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so it's a, it's just a, a more of a recording studio type band. Very good, very good playing. Mm-hmm. Very nice.
2: Yeah, it is uh, really. Uh, wonderful that I, I think that music can take you so many different places and we uh, are thinking about this concert it's going to be next week and uh, you've got great musicians who've been practicing this piece and I was thinking as we're listening uh, it, it, two things happen to me when I listen to music one sometimes I'm a very active listener when i 'm you know listening to how does the movement you know what are the chords that are repeated, how is it the sound is uh you know what's what's the story the notes are telling, how are they melodic or discordant you know all, all of those things and then other times i'm listening to it, and it's just sort of like it's immersive and i don 't it's a big picture as and when you're rehearsing, do those things come into it too for how you want the so the players to not only know their part and and but also the bigger picture. of... Yes,
3: I mean uh, a lot of the rehearsals for these this kind of concerts, which are just two rehearsals, are very short time to prepare it.
2: Very disciplined. Is,
3: it, well, yeah, it has to be, and then also it's very corrective. In other words, as soon as you hear something that a player is misinterpreting, either a dynamic or a note length, or catch it right away. Mm. And sometimes we catch it. And we move on. In other words, we don't even go back and play it again. We just say, do that.
2: Next time, that's Next what time. you make a note. Yeah, right. <laughs>
3: yeah, because of the time element. And, and as far as uh, atmospherics are concerned, uh, I think, they, so to speak, I, I put those in quotation marks, I think that the mood of the piece doesn't need to be described because the music isn't that unfamiliar to the players. Mm. So it's just a question of reliving, reviving those atmospheres from what we remember, maybe improving them a little bit. So it comes down to showtime. That's when we find out how, how the piece feels.
2: Yeah, because I was thinking, as I'm, I if I if I were playing that piece, I could be just like dancing in, in my seat, thinking of, like, oh yeah, I gotta be in time with these other people around me.
3: Well, hopefully you would be anyway.
2: <laughs> That's your job, right, yeah. up front. Well, or, or to
3: tell you otherwise, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But it's it's a, it's a fun place to think about. And uh, you also want let's, to, let's mention some of the things that are upcoming, because these are not the only types of concerts that the Cannon Valley Regional no, Orchestra does. We have,
3: a, we have a series of concerts, uh, as, as usual, in the winter. Um, these two concerts, the June concert and the September, are really new for us. And they, uh, they sort of round out the season very nicely, the beginning and the end. We have a big concert coming up. Uh, I think it's November 5th and 6th, but you've got to check the calendar on that. It's a, it'll be a Saturday and a Sunday. And we're doing the Bruckner Seventh Symphony, which is a very enormous piece. I have been dreaming about doing Bruckner now for a decade or so. I want to have this orchestra experience that very lush, romantic music.
2: I don't think I know Bruckner. Uh, he's
3: a, he was a, quite a religious man, but also a kind of a disciple of Wagner at the same time, mm-hmm. which is exactly the opposite. <laughs> 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 well, not, not actually, because um, Wagner wrote uh, religious themed music too, uh, operas. Um, but in any event, um, he wrote delicious symphonic repertoire. Um, and it's not often played. It's not often enough, I'd say. Um, and one of the things that's so stra- unusual about the about the seventh is he brings in four Wagner tubas, which are basically a kind of a different version of a French horn. Mm. Uh, they look like a sort of hybrid between a French horn and a euphonium. I'm trying and, to
2: visualize this. And, uh, it, it is the, the going. The, it the, goes in front of you, like a tube uh, goes in front. It's
3: got rotary valves. And, Bell goes this way. Bell, um, and bell curves. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's it's just a little bit of a haunting sound, and was used very rarely, very sparingly. Wagner had it in some of his operas. Uh, Bruckner put it in some of his music, and uh, Richard Strauss, the 20th century German composer, wrote a couple of pieces that have it mm. that have uh, that instrument in there too. So uh, it's. It's that it's highly um, nuanced toward Germanic sort of Alpine music or something like that. <laughs>
2: Horn heavy. Horn heavy, yes.
3: <laughs> and uh, we're uh, it's going to be a big project to put that together.
2: So that'll be November. Folks can go to the Northfield Arts Guild website, NorthfieldArtsGuild.org. Yeah, we'll have that up
3: there with the details and um,
2: look for those dates. It'll be, a,
3: it'll be a, the intention. will be a Saturday concert at the. Uh, at the St. John's Hall in a Sunday concert at the Cathedral of Our Merciful Savior in Faribault. Perfect. And then uh, some of the groups will play for Christmas uh, on Winter Walk. We're looking right now at targeting the uh, library for some smaller chamber groups, a lot softer sounding, and then the louder ones over at the Armory during the uh, Mm -hmm. mini-fair. Christmas fair. Spring, we have some concerts in early March. Uh, we're going to feature Marty Hodel, the trumpet professor from St. Olaf, who's a renowned great player, talent. And he's yeah, he's going to do a concerto with us, and then we'll do our June one again uh, out, out at Oddfellows out Park.
2: What a delightful season! Sounds like you have a good pattern.
3: It's becoming really easy to work with. It's not fewer challenges in terms of dates. You notice how we're totally avoiding May uh, because of the fact that. Every group has got a final concert of the year. Every <laughs> choir, every band, every orchestra. And try to find a weekend when you can slip something in there. We gave up. We just said, no, we'll just do it in June.
2: And that's a good problem to have in our town. We're pretty darn yes, lucky to we have. Are,
3: we are blessed maybe overly blessed <laughs> exactly
2: and i was hoping i think we're going to um to get a little bit of but i don't know if we're going to be able to get this in this is um one of the pieces you sent me was in the steps of central asia oh
3: do, you can start it because, okay um it's you get the first Minute or two, and you get the essence of the piece.
2: Let's let's just do a minute then. Um, okay. I just I fell in love with this piece. I hadn't was not familiar with this at all.
3: Borodin is a Russian national from the eighteenth nineteenth century, I should say, and he uh, was very interested in uh, Russian folk music, and the Rus- and the Russian aesthetic of the time, which was being developed by him and a couple of other. Uh, Russian composers, and this is an example of that.
2: We'll sneak a peek in at a little bit of this on Artsany Radio Borodin in the steppes of Central Asia. Just had that minute for a little sample of that. I just fell in love with that piece. It was uh, transporting and just had a um, fabulous story. I felt like there was a whole world that was created with that music. So great, great things from uh, all. all. I love being introduced to new new pieces and new composers. And thank you very much, Paul, for your gift of doing that and keeping us all uh, in tune and thinking about music.
3: Live music is best.
2: That's right. Folks, this is Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. I thank you so much for being a part of the show. I hope that you always remember to add some Art Zany to your life. And of course, in the meantime, until next time, enjoy your imagination. <laughs>
1: You've been listening to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay, and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit paradisecenterforthearts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507 332 seven three seven two